It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. The news broke yesterday evening, and President Biden, uh, of course, addressing uh, not just the nation, but I would say the world. The world paying close attention to the news that Zawari, Ayman al-Zawari, the number two man to Osama bin Laden, but someone who was more than influential in crafting the the modern-day uh, al-Qaeda and the movement that it is. And it's important to see the word movement and how it's applied, uh, was taken out in Kabul. That raises other questions about uh, Afghanistan and the return of al-Qaeda and, of course, with the Taliban in charge, uh, what that could potentially mean uh, down the road. The man who wrote the book, Jihadist Strategic Communication as Practiced by Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawari joins me now, Dr. Bill Parker, retired military officer, uh, CEO currently of Parker Maritime Technologies. Uh, Bill, my friend, uh, we've covered so many of these issues over the years, but you were ahead of this by taking in part a view from the al-Qaeda perspective. David, good morning. Uh, it's always great to be back on your show again. You know, we, we started looking at this in uh, in 1998 um, pretty hard and looking at the re- relationship between al-Zawahari and uh, Osama bin Laden. And, uh, and, and it was clear at that time that they had, as you called it, quite the movement uh, uh, going on. Uh, bad terrorists, no doubt about it. Interesting relationship. Uh, he was an Egyptian uh, doctor, and uh, Bin Laden, of course, from the uh, very wealthy uh, Bin Laden family. And so, uh, as we started to look at this, we realized there was there was something significant going on here with the relationship too, and uh, and that's how the book came about. To look at not just the men but the movement, and this is a, a worldwide. Uh, in, it inspires others, individual actors, uh, often referred to as lone wolves. But th- there's an ideology here at the core of all of this. How did that develop from your perspective? Yeah, I, I, I think it developed in, uh, in in a couple different ways. Anytime there is a a void of leadership. Anytime there is a void um, where uh, large uh, population feels disenfranchised in any way, uh, somebody feels that or some organization feels that. And in this particular case, uh, that void uh, was filled by uh, bin Laden and Zawahiri. Um, it's, it's interesting to see how much of this uh, started in, uh, in Afghanistan in that part of the world and how it's growing in Afghanistan now as, uh, as we left there in a, uh, a debacle at best um, and left behind, again, a void of uh, leadership. And, and that, again, was filled by, um, by al-Qaeda and the Taliban uh, and other terrorist organizations that are now uh, infiltrated and, and completely running that country. There were many others involved and as i said mentioned earlier those that were inspired by this uh what was a bro- what was the broader effect or some of the broader effects i don't think we could 
fully summarize it, but some of the broader effects that Al-Qaeda had, uh, not only on radicals, but on populations that had that void of leadership. Well, you know, it's uh, it, it's interesting. We, we focus the book on uh, strategic communication, uh, which is information operations, uh, public affairs and defense support to public diplomacy. If you look at it from the broadest perspective, and uh, this is something that Al Qaeda um, did very well uh, and continues to do well, but not not at the level they were doing before when uh, when bin Laden was was alive. But they communicate not only internally but to the rest of the globe uh, quite well on uh, on what their views are, uh, and uh, and they were they were successful in that. They were successful in raising a lot of money uh, for their cause. Uh, and, and the other interesting thing is when you look at the fact that Zawahiri, um, for example, was imprisoned in Egypt, was imprisoned in uh, in Russia, was part of the Chechen movement, if you will. Um, these are all very interesting uh, uh, facts that uh, governments were close several times to shutting this down before it really grew out of control. And yet he was released from Egypt uh, after serving a couple of years. He was released from Russia after serving less than a month and claiming poverty. Uh, and, and so he had activities in Iran. He, uh, he traveled to Switzerland. He traveled uh, a lot all over the globe. Uh, and he was influencing people as he was moving. And, and I think that's the important uh, message here keep a close eye on how well they were able to communicate and how they were able to use uh, the Internet uh, and other um, means to communicate with those that, again, felt disenfranchised. Their communication and certainly technology, Bill, played a role in that, obviously, easier, multiple forms, more secure forms of communication. But you communicate from one side and the message has to be received and or acted on by the other. And you talk about uh, the travels around the world being released from prison. Uh, On the other end of that communication uh, and to where we are today, uh, you know, the legacy, the, the next lieutenant to take over, if you will, or whatever that title would be. Uh, are there people in place? Are they spread out around the world? Are they in Kabul? What do you think? I think they're spread out throughout the uh, the world. I think that they are in place in in Kabul and other parts of Afghanistan as sort of their uh, their hub right now because they can they can move unchecked in Afghanistan now. Uh, similar to us uh, leaving Iraq and leaving Afghanistan without having um, complete control or or significant control over the the terrorist organizations that are moving around there, and specifically in Afghanistan right now. Um, So I, I think that Afghanistan is a huge problem. I also think if you go back historically and look and you compare this to uh, uh, to Hitler, it's interesting. I did a comparison in the book of several um, different leaders, but when you look at Hitler, who was not well-educated, but was considered a war hero in, in Germany from from World War One, uh, this was a guy who also spent time in jail, and while he was in there, wrote Mein Kampf, 
and then uh, and then got out and was much stronger when he got out. And and nobody really checked um, uh, to see what he was writing and what he was going to do after he was released. And the same thing with uh, Zohiri, that he was uh, not checked to see what he was writing and who he was communicating with as he um, as he left after being imprisoned in uh, in Egypt. And and that's a huge problem. Uh, and, and also also David, remember that. Um, uh, you know, so he was also part of the, the Muslim Brotherhood as early as uh, as 14. And they said somewhere between 13 and 14 years old, um, he was part of the Muslim Brotherhood. We know for, for a fact when he was 14, he was. So you actually lead into my next question, you know, from beginning to where he, well, was until he was recently uh, taken out. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood and other, orga- other organizations, the Muslim Brotherhood, especially in Egypt, demonstrated their ability to have a political strategy and a insurgent strategy. So it, it was a two-pronged approach in large part uh, against, well, the leadership in Egypt, but in other parts of the Middle East. So... Is that the next evolution of Al Qaeda potentially that there will be both a more of a political and a, you know call it the social strategy combined with the terrorist and insurgent components? Yeah, David, uh, you know you and I have talked about this offline before. I think actually we're at that point right now where in fact um, you know Al Qaeda. Um, is uh, very strong in the political world, certainly in Afghanistan and other parts of the of the Middle East, um, and they're they're influencing um, other parts of the globe. Again, I don't think they're as strong as they were during the uh, the days of Bin Laden in in some ways, but they're stronger in Afghanistan for sure. Um, and so I think this also brings up the point of, you know, when when governments, when large governments want to train um, insurgents, uh, you better be sure who you're training and you better be sure that, who, you know, what they're going to be used for. And, and that's certainly the case with Al-Qaeda. You know, we don't know much about the operational and probably never will, and I don't necessarily need to, right, where we have people who are well-skilled, well-trained to do this. But the concern here, and you, you mentioned, you know, the freedom to move in Afghanistan, uh, initially, and if you go back to the days when uh, people like former Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy uh, led teams into Afghanistan, those first 300 to go in and go after al-Qaeda, uh, we have challenges going there now with the Taliban in control. And what about Pakistan? I remember years ago, uh, we discussed the pathways into Afghanistan then, a narrow corridor where we were allowed to fly in, uh, also concerns about various elements in Pakistan within the ISI and others that may harbor uh, or even outwardly support you know, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. So you know, if Al-Qaeda is growing, free to move, what about the challenges in going after Al-Qaeda? Well, you have, I think everything you said was uh, was accurate just now. Um, you know, one of the concerns you have with with Pakistan is they are a, a nuclear nation. I think that there's uh, an awful lot of people, and as you know, I spent uh, over a year there before the Bin Laden event, um, and 
there is a um, there are a lot of people in in Pakistan to include some in ISI and others uh, for your for your listeners ISI is equivalent to our CIA in the United States um, and uh, uh, when Pasha was running it. Um, There were certainly those individuals that uh, very much wanted to get rid of uh, bin Laden and others like him. Um, But there is that corridor, uh, and it is a tough terrain between the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan. And so uh, that's always been a challenge. But again, there are a lot of people in Pakistan that very much um, wanted these folks to go away as well. The other challenge you have is that Pakistan is a nuclear nation, um, and they have... um, uh, a very large contingent of um, professionals uh, that know um, a lot about tactical and strategic uh, nuclear weapons. And that's uh, that's obviously a concern, too, because you don't want those to get loose um, and end up in the wrong hands. And that's uh, that's been a concern for a very long time. I think this is the next, uh, what is it, uh, next level of this story. Uh, the... We'll see in time who fills uh, the role for Zawari or others who step in, uh, whether in Afghanistan or around the world. But what should America and, frankly, other nations uh, primarily keep an eye on? I, I realize it's not just one thing, but primarily what should we be looking for? Well, I, I think one of the things that we should be looking for um, is uh, the fact that you will have an educated group that is leading this organization. I mean, remember, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Bin Laden from an engineering-based family, um, uh, uh, very well-educated uh, and very wealthy, and uh, Zohiri from um, a guy who was a uh, medical doctor. I think you're going to continue to see that. I also think you're going to see many of the same names pop up over and over again. People that maybe at one point were were imprisoned and were released or were swapped as uh, as prisoners, et cetera, over the last few years, and suddenly you're going to see them their names pop up again. So I would not be surprised at all if you see one of the uh, individuals whose name we uh, we very well know um, as the leadership is is announced. Confidence is a hard one to answer, but uh, are are you confident that the world, and I won't put this just on the United States because the threat is global, uh, while we may be seen as you know the big Satan, the great Satan, I bet many of these organizations, there are other targets around the world. Uh, are you confident that uh, that we're paying attention? Well, I think we are paying attention. Um, I, I think this uh, this strike is just one example of uh, that we're still paying attention. Um, but I'm concerned that you have a a large region like um, Afghanistan, where you have an organization or numerous organizations like Al Qaeda that are running unchecked and can move around basically freely uh, and do what they need to do and move back and forth across borders like those in Iran and others. Uh, and remember, Al Qaeda has worked with um, with Iran before, um, so I think uh, that's that's another concern. But I think we'll be dealing with these folks or other organizations, whether it's a ISIS organization kind of uh, kind of group or others, um, you know, for a very long time. I don't think this is going away. I think we need to keep uh, keep uh, working on it. 
the other thing is um, that you've heard before, David, is that in in these cases, the good guys need to be right every time in order to avoid a 9-11 kind of event. The bad guys only need to be right once. So they can continue to try attacks and they can be thwarted over and over again. But if they have that one successful attack, um, it's a significant impact uh, on the world and, of course, loss of life and, and funds and everything to go along with that. Yeah, I think we'll be watching and we need to be watching carefully. You mentioned Iran, Iran just announcing that they are uh, spinning up new centrifuges. By the way, that news coming out uh, just within the last 24 hours, uh, and I suspect for a much longer discussion at another segment. Uh, Bill, you know, as I've said before about your work and your books and uh, to include jihadist strategic communication and guaranteeing America's security in the 21st century. Uh, you follow the track and uh, people need to pay attention. I know this audience does, but they need to read and learn even more. And uh, for the work you do to educate me, to educate my audience, thank you. David, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. And again, thank you for uh, what you do to keep the American uh, public uh, informed and the, and the global public informed. Thank you. Dr. William Parker, CEO of Parker Maritime Strategies. The book, which you can get, uh, you can just go online and search uh, Amazon and other areas where books are sold. Jihadist Strategic Communication is practiced by Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawari. And then, of course, Bill's book, The Course Load, which is on my shelf and uh, should be not just on the shelf, but read and digested, guaranteeing America's security in the 21st century. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.